You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Reckless speculation from the TCL Broadcast Studios. You're listening to Mackie and Judd, TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Okogie, they're working around to Wiggins. Andrew, the three ball. Andrew's locked in. Andrew's got 19. Wiggins kicks it out. Come on, Okogie. Yes. Are you kidding me? Josh Okogie finally able to hit Painter from downtown. All right, we were uh, a little, little Wiggins highlight package there from the other night, and it, it led us to a discussion. Judd, an impromptu pecking order, the most frustrating athletes in Minnesota sports. Yes. And so far, I'll, I'll just run down so you can prep your top four here. <laughs> you had Ralph Sampson the third at number ten. Mm-hmm. You had Troy Williamson, the former number seven overall pick, the uh, the only blind receiver in NFL history too. Hey, he tried at number re- nine. He tried real hard till the ball Crazy. went off his face mask. Yeah, uh, Byron Buxton was number eight on your list. Charlie Coyle seven, Bryant McKinney six, and Isaiah Ryder. Yeah, number five. Yes, number four on my oh, list. Sorry. Hold on. Okay. Can you play it? Here we go. Okay. Thank you. Number four on my list. Actually, the second guy taken by the Vikings in the first round of the 2005 draft, a draft in which they passed on Aaron Rodgers because they had a quarterback. Troy Williamson went seventh in that draft. I believe number 18 in that draft. Erasmus James, University of Wisconsin. A lot of talent. Had McKinney disease, but not as talented, which means he hated football. Hmm. Erasmus James was, if you recall, there was a stretch there where the Vikings, uh, pre-Jared Allen, where they kept thinking, we've drafted the right end. We finally got the pass-rushing guy that this defense has needed for so long because that was unaddressed for years and years, it felt like. And Erasmus James, first-round pick out for the ba- from the Badgers, was going to come in here and he was going to solve the Vikings' problems. And he washed out within two years. He couldn't stand football. He was a complete bust, but you watched him, and you're like, well, there's something there. He just didn't apply it. You know, I guess I Frustrating. Would, I, I wouldn't have put, top of mind, I wouldn't have put him in my top 10, but the way you laid it out and remembering that era of Vikings football where, from, so he was 05, drafted 05. Yes. I mean, they had they had been one of the best offensive teams in the NFL, 03, 04, and the, you think, okay, let's just go get a pass rusher in here somewhere and... Udeza was a 2004 draft pick, yes. I believe, from USC, and those the different reasons why he wound up flaming out. But okay, to your top three, number three on my list, and there's time for him to fix this. But there is no excuse for a guy with this much talent to have allowed himself previously to get so fat, happy, and not be an effective baseball player. But because we've seen it before, Miguel Sano, he can, he's got a chance right now to get himself off this list. Byron Buxton and Miguel this season can take themselves out of contention or off this list, and we could be talking about them as, oh my God, they found they found Jesus, and now they get baseball, and now they care about the sport, and it's all changed. Byron Buxton frustrates me, but I don't think it's because he doesn't try. It's just because he can't hit so far. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Miguel Sano, though, it's there if he applies himself. 
He can hit 30 home runs. He can be an incredibly effective baseball player in this town for a long time. Miguel Sano right now is number three. Hopefully, by September, he's off this list completely. Hard to argue with that. Number two, he's got to be on this, but he's not my top one. Your guy, Wiggy. I mean, come on. Once again, who's number one? Four, <laughs> you know what? I ain't telling you until I get to number one. 40, I, want three ten, guess, I want three guesses. 40, to, it's personal. 40, <laughs> 10, and four. 40, 10, and four. And we see these pop-ups from Wiggy, and we think to ourselves, okay, you were the number one pick. You were in the Kevin Love trade. There's so much potentially here. He might not be perfect. He might have his faults. But if he works hard, he can be really, really good. Um, and then we see a span, you know, not just a span of 10 games. We see spans of a season yeah. where he disappears. Number two on my list. Can one of my guesses be a question, a yes or no question? Sure. Is it a hockey player? Yes. Okay. Is it Miko Koivu? No. No, no. He applies himself. There's things that frustrate me, but he applies himself completely. I have a guess. Is it Matt Dumba? No, no, no. no. In okay. fact, what, 12 goals when he got hurt? Six power play goals? Okay. I'm on the Dumba bandwagon. Is it Granlund? No. It can't be Granlund. Not a current member of the Wild. Coyle's already on oh. the list. It's not a current member of the Wild. <laughs> is it uh is it Thomas Vanek? You got it! <laughs> Thomas Vanek! <laughs> that dog of a player who comes here, yeah. goes from Buffalo to the Islanders. Do you guys remember how long we were talking about? Oh man, and, and then in, we? in the offseason, they're going to get that Thomas Vanek, and it's going to be fantastic. And Thomas Vanek, and Thomas Vanek came here and looked like he was literally a player in, in the in the hockey game, table hockey, where he's just on a on a rod and he's going back and forth because he didn't do anything else. He was the most <laughs> stiff, biggest bust of a player I've seen. And the only reason why he came back here was because his wife was from Stillwater and she wanted to be back here. Complete dog. I don't care what anybody tells me. I get, you know, oh, he wasn't that. No, he was horse bleep. Thomas Vanek is atop the list. Bust. This, I'm envisioning the, the Elmo meme where the room is burning or is it Grover? Elmo or Grover? I think it's, it's, Elmo. Burning, yeah. it's Elmo. It's Elmo. When you <laughs> said it was a hockey player, I I certainly thought it was. I thought it was going to be Miko Koivu. No, well, not, I think he works hard. Yeah. Now that now that Judd, the, 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 this is the we're going into the what the fifth or this going into the sixth year of Mackie and Judd, I believe, and uh, I think early <laughs> Mackie and Judd shows were very much like that on a regular basis. Just Judd ranting about Thomas Vanek. Oh, they were. Basis. And, and I don't think because... He's still I, in the league, by the way. He's with Detroit again. He's gone from... He was Detroit, then he was Florida, he then had, he was Vancouver. He had 24 goals last year. Yeah, good for him. Complete <laughs> dog. Just stole wow. Craig Leopold's money completely. The The Parisians and Suter contracts at times can get frustrating, but they no question have brought a lot. Koivu, I don't think, should be the captain, but he works hard. Thomas Vanek signed here because his wife wanted to come back here and stole money. But, Judd, he's an ex-gopher. Another strike against him from me. <laughs> Jonathan, you brought four of your own maddening yeah. athletes. Are they all soccer players? No, I left soccer <laughs> off the list because I know that doesn't catch on here that well. Freddie Adu, number one. <laughs> Freddie Adu's my age and has played with the same amount of teams as he is old. It's impressive. Little mini rant. He was supposed to be a star. He was. He was overhyped. It right. happens. Who are the four that you had? <laughs> okay, so I have a whole program on my list. I know Judd kind of shied away from that. I think Gophers hockey is frustrating to me 
it's one of two college programs in the country that should, if run right, should be in the national championship or winning the national championship every year. The other one is Texas football. But the Gophers just disappoint me. It's all part of the biggest sham and fraud in sports in this country, that this is the state of hockey. Yes, It's only the state of hockey and that we play hockey when we're kids. (laughs) Because the Gophers can't cash in. The Gophers haven't cashed in since 2002. And never has a Stanley Cup ever arrived in Minnesota. You can't claim state of hockey until you win a Stanley Cup. (laughs) All I know is what I'm told. State of hockey. Number three is Brian McKinney. Judd already mentioned it. Uh, the dude had the size and the skill to be one of the best tackles ever, but just didn't care about football, and that bothered the heck out of me. It, it bothers me when guys have all this talent and just don't execute on that talent. And I understand not liking it, but like you have all that skill to go down as one of the best ever, and you just don't do it. Number two is Stefan Marbury. Mm, wow, the dang okay. ego. Yeah, just couldn't. He couldn't get it out of his way. And had he got, had he let it go. Him and KG could have been the center of one of the best teams for about a decade and a half, and they just yeah, it just got in his way, and it, they I could like have the had, anger. those two could have had a statue outside together outside of Target Center, but he just he wanted to be the guy. Yeah, I have, I have a top five as well. Okay. And then number one is Adrian Peterson fumbling mm. at key moments in his life. If he could have just <laughs> learned to catch a ball and block another human being, he would have been the greatest running back ever and would have been a Viking for life, but he just wanted to run it at people really hard. I think that's very so fair. So Peterson, McKinney, go for hockey as a program. Stephon Marbury. All right, Manny, fly yeah. through yours. All right, number five, Troy Williamson, for reasons that Judd alluded to earlier. Uh, number four is Andrew Wiggins. Number three, Laquan Treadwell. Uh, number two, Isaiah Washington for the wow. Gopher basketball team. Jelly, jelly fam. And uh, <laughs> number one, most frustrating athlete in Minnesota sports, Mitch Leitner. Wow. What made him frustrating? I th- I was more frustrated by the coaching staff than Mitch Leitner. It just frustrated me that he wasn't good. <laughs> well, it just frustrated me that he was not good and that the Gophers finally, after so many years, had a really good defense. A really good running game. Not the greatest wide receivers, but capable wide receivers. And it was the quarterback position that held them back from even being in the conversation for competing for a Big Ten. That's also known as gopher football history. Although you're you're right, because that game going into Wisconsin in which they took the big first half lead, and you said to yourself, if you had, you knew at halftime of that game, Mitch is going to get you. (laughs) <laughs> yes. Mitch is going to screw you. Yep. <laughs> well, not the not not our friends at Gopher Hole, gopherhole.com. We've talked about that. That at halftime of that game, what do you, there was there was a thread posted on gopherhole.com cuz Mitch Leidner had a couple touchdowns or something. They were up by 14 points. They were up 17 to 3 I think on Wisconsin on the road. We're all the Mitch Leidner haters now. And then he throws three interceptions in the second half and Wisconsin comes back to win. <laughs> Delete your thread. I was Delete your say the thread went quiet. <laughs> Um, we still have Tom Pelissero from NFL Network coming up here on Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studios. And real quick, just a quick mention, if uh, if you haven't heard it or seen it on our social media accounts, starting on Tuesday, January 15th, so just in a few days from now, we will expand our live and local content here, radio live and local, from noon until 7, every Monday through Friday, and also an expanded menu of on-demand content and podcasts and social media We've got big plans ahead and uh, also a new name in store starting on Tuesday, January 15th. More information to come soon, Judd Zolgad. That's right. But before we go any. 
Mackie and Judd are back. You're about to make a whole lot of people around here real happy. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios on 1500 ESPN. All right. Quick check on traffic here. And uh, it is brought to you by the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. And uh, a couple of crashes on 35W to tell you about right now. And uh, the first one is southbound causing about a 10-minute delay. It's between Washington Avenue and 3rd Street in Minneapolis. So be on the lookout for that. And uh, also, 35W northbound. Get ready for this one. Crash in Richfield. It's only causing about a 6-minute delay right now, but the left four lanes are blocked. Northbound, 35W in Richfield near 60th and uh, Diamond Lake Road. Well, let's unblock those lanes, Manny. Seems simple enough. Seems ridiculous. Let's move those cars. Get them moved over. This isn't that hard. (laughs) Mackie and Judd, TCL Broadcast Studios, Tom Pelissero, NFL Network joins us each and every uh, Thursday, and today is no different. Tommy, I'm going to start you off with this question. Um, Your level of uh, surprise or intrigue with the fact that among the six of the eight head coaching jobs that were available now in this league have been filled the Cliff Kingsbury hire by the Cardinals when he got fired from his college job, took the OC job at USC, and uh, now has surfaced not as an OC in the National Football League, but as the head coach of the Cardinals. It's a fascinating and kind of multi-layered situation there. I think that the first thing you have to understand is the Cardinals were not viewed as a desirable job. I mean, if you were stacking up the eight openings, you'd probably have them seventh or eighth, um, just because of... The where they're at in terms of their roster, because of what happened with Steve Wilkes, the fact that the last guy they hired, they more or less had decided by September that they were going to be moving on from him. Um, you know, there were people, Mike McCarthy turned down an interview there. Eric Enemy turned down an interview there. In other words, they needed to find somebody who was going to come in and bring them some juice, get people to actually show up to the games in Glendale, spark a little interest in the team. We all love to think that these are purely isolated football decisions, but there is more to it than that. And if you're Cliff Kingsbury, um, you know, yeah, you haven't gotten washed out of Texas Tech, but you are still regarded as a bright offensive mind. You have worked with a lot of good quarterbacks. Um, for him, this is a, a pretty good gig. It's, it's one of those marriages by convenience that on the surface, I know people are going to you know, poke, poke holes at it just like they do with the Matt LaFleur hire and others just say, oh, you're just getting the, you know, everybody's just looking for a 30-odd-year-old guy who knows offense and it doesn't matter anything else. There's more to it than that. Uh, I'm not saying Kingsbury is going to be a success in Arizona, but when you just kind of break down the situation that everybody involved was in, um, it, it does seem like it's something that you know made sense for all parties. Did they really, the Cardinals, put in the initial press release that he was friends with Sean McVay, though, before deleting I it? I don't think it said friends with Sean McVay. I think it said that he... It might have said friends with Sean. But it, it was something along the lines of he spent time with him or, yeah. or something like that. You know, I, I know that that's become, and this is you know, largely because of Kevin Clark with the ringer, but there have also been, you know, actual reports about this. Um, yeah, when you have success, people are going to try to find a piece of you. But I think that even more than that, it, it comes down to where are you supposed to find? If the offense is a, you know, the modern NFL is a points race. Everybody is looking for offense. Where are you going to find these guys? Think of it this way, and I, I have not run the numbers yet, but a lot of teams currently, because of the recent hiring trends, have head coaches that also call the plays. So what that means is that there are a lot of teams right now where you don't have anybody there who you can find to hire as a head coach who's called the plays. 
So naturally, you're going to have less experienced people. You're going to have teams looking to the college level. You're going to have guys who maybe only have one year. Um, you know, in the case of Kevin Stefanski, was close to getting a job with three games of play calling experience. Zach Taylor, the Rams quarterbacks coach, is in the mix for the Cincinnati job, even though he's only called plays for like five games several years ago. Um, you know, that that's what you're going to be end up looking at. You know, we can all say, yeah, why doesn't everybody just hire Vic Fangio? Well, it took Vic Fangio 40 years or whatever to to get a job. You know, and there's multiple parts of that. The majority of hires are going to be offensive hires. You want to have uh, somebody who's going to be able to work with your quarterback. And you can say, okay, Vic Fangio and then bring in the offensive coordinator. I know there it's likely to be uh, Gary Kubiak. But if you hire somebody some you know somewhere else, and then, okay, you get the right offensive coordinator with them. Guess what's going to happen? You have one good year with the offensive coordinator, that guy's going to leave. He's going to be one of the guys who can get a head coaching job. It's it's just kind of this cycle that we're in. You know, we can look at the you know the diversity angle to this. You got six white guys who have been hired to head coaching jobs. That's because the majority of head coaching jobs in the NFL, college all the way down, are um, you know the quarterbacks coaches jobs are held by by white people too. You know, there's a pipeline issue that that impacts this. You know, there may be we may see Chris Richard get a job here in this cycle. We may see Brian Flores get a job in this cycle, but. As long as we're looking toward the quarterback position, you're going to end up with a type, and certainly the NFL appears to have a type this season. Yeah, Tom Pelissero from the NFL Network. So what what did you make, and I think a lot of Vikings fans are really curious about Kevin Stefanski and how far he went with that Browns process and just what the Browns saw in him for him to be down to one of their last two uh, finalists. What did you make of Kevin Stefanski's journey to maybe almost becoming the head coach of the Browns and then winding up back as offensive coordinator here? Well, Kevin's uh, you know, a really bright guy, as anybody who's been around him goes. Uh, players really like him. I, I had a bunch of conversations with guys during the stretch of the season. You know, Players like Delvin Cook, who just talk about how Stefanski thinks like a player. Um, you know, The fact that he coached every spot, it gave him insight into... You know, what each position group is good at. Well, what players were good at. You know, he's kind of seen the offense from a lot of different angles. Uh, I, I'm not surprised that he got an interview. I, I'm, you know, I, I wouldn't even say surprised, but certainly it's a year sooner than I thought he would come as close as he did uh, to getting that job. But, you know, you also look in the Bronx front office. Um, you know, the, some of the Ivy League guys, they got really smart people in their front office. Kevin played at Penn. He's big on analytics. Um, there were a lot of things that kind of added up for him to. Uh, be strongly in the mix for that job. And, you know, what, what everybody missed and what was, you know, not necessarily reported as accurately as it could have been was he was the guy for the Vikings, too. You know, him and Mike Zimmer, the Friday after the regular season ended, met extensively. Uh, last week, when supposedly a Dirk Cutter or whoever was emerging as the favorite, Stefanski was at Zimmer's ranch planning the offense. The only thing that was Everybody's there. Kevin Stefanski from being the offensive coordinator of the Vikings was if he got a head coaching job. So, you know, the, the deal was done. He, he had that job. They're competent in him. These guys Zimmer really likes. Uh, and we'll find out what he's made of when he actually had the full offseason to get his offense ready. Did the Browns not like Mike McCarthy, or did McCarthy actually say thanks but no thanks to the opportunity to talk to the Browns, Tom Pelissero? Uh There were some things that didn't necessarily entirely add up. He was really focused in on two jobs, Cleveland and the Jets. Um, with Cleveland, you know, they're just their structure is a little bit different. John Dorsey is really running the football operation. 
Um, McCarthy, my understanding is, would have preferred to be in a situation where he's reporting to the owner, where he has a little more control over the football operation. Um, the Jets job, McCarthy really did want. You know, he wanted that opportunity to uh, be able to work with Sam Darnold, just like he was intrigued by working with Baker Mayfield. Uh, but he was going to be selective. Like I said, he turned down Arizona. He certainly could have been in the mix other places and just had no interest. So, you know, it was, it was a strange thing because I, I go into Green Bay yesterday fly in to cover the Matt LaFleur press conference. I'm driving down Oneida Street and, and thinking about the fact that I started on the Packers beat at the Green Bay Press Gazette in 2007, and I'd never covered a head coach press conference in Green Bay for somebody other than Mike McCarthy. So meanwhile, I'm going to see LaFleur, and I'm texting and talking on the phone with McCarthy, you know, who's you know watching and wondering what's going on with the Jets job. I'm sitting on the plane last night. He was actually talking until I had to tell him that the flight attendant was making me hang up. But he texted me when I landed and just, you know, said, you know, hey, I found out that Gase got the Jets job, told my family at dinner, and everybody started cheering. You know, you you forget about kind of the human element to being a head coach and and how much time it takes away from family and everything else. The fact that he's getting paid over $7 million to sit on the couch next year doesn't hurt. But, you know, certainly he's going he's gonna to take this year to kind of reboot, reset, um, and hopefully kind of analyze the NFL, get to look at it from a different perspective, and he expects to be ready to rip in 2020. So it's uh, based on how old Aaron Rodgers is, mid-30s, and Matt LaFleur is going to get a little bit of a runway here, uh, I guess the, the easy way to put it is Matt LaFleur and whether he can do the job or not as head coach of the Packers is going to have a big influence on Aaron Rodgers' legacy if he finishes with one Super Bowl or if he gets to multiple and enters the conversation of greatest of all time. There's no question. And I thought that it was really interesting. It wasn't meant in a serious way, but Mark Murphy, the Packers, president CEO, and gave this lengthy opening address yesterday. It went on for about 15 minutes. And Brian Gutekunst. Uh, the GM spoke briefly, LaFleur spoke briefly, and then Murphy, before opening up to questions, turns to LaFleur on stage and just goes, you know, after something along the lines of, after two long years, we are ready to get back to winning. And this came right after Gutekun said, you know, the standard here is winning the Lombardi Trophy. This job is going to come with a ton of pressure for a guy on the floor who I've gotten to know over the past couple of years. We actually met at a a high school quarterback camp out in California about a year and a half ago. At that time, so 18 months ago, he had left the Falcons, was just about to start his first year as a non-play calling OC with the Rams. It's one year with the Titans, and like we were just talking about, he'll get his opportunity with the Packers. He's 39 years old. This is ahead of where the people who have worked with him thought that he would be ready for a head coaching job, but that's kind of the nature of where we're at. Uh, I'll be fascinated to see what does with Aaron Rodgers, because there are some things that are fundamentally different about the Shanahan-McVay um, offense that LaFleur has come up in, and the stuff that McCarthy, or excuse me, that Rodgers has been running under McCarthy for virtually his entire career, you know, just in terms of the way that, for instance, their play actions work. In the Shanahan offense, the quarterback turns his back to the line of scrimmage on play actions. In those systems, you, you don't really do that. You know, there's going to be some, some fundamental things that are going to be different. Some of the foundation of the offense is going to be different. Uh, LaFleur certainly has given no indications he's going to hold that back and just run the offense Rodgers wants to. Um, the one thing that you know that LaFleur can do is he's got a really sharp mind. He's going to be able to talk offense with Rodgers. He's going to be able to hopefully give him uh, some new ideas, and we'll see what direction that pushes everything. Football. Boom. Tom Pelissero, NFL Network. Thanks, Thanks for coming on, buddy. Thanks, Tom. See ya. Talk to you next week. Boom.
Um, if I was talking to Mike McCarthy on a plane, I would have it on speakerphone. Like I would have, I would just be like feet kicked out in the aisle. It's Mike McCarthy. Just take off. The greatest I'm talking to Mike McCarthy. The greatest time, the only time when you have leverage over a guy like that is when he has to call you for information. So like ordinarily, it's always you're trying to call him and he might pick up, he might not. But you're trying to, you know, find out who's starting a quarterback or something yeah. like that, McCarthy right? McCarthy wants to know, hey, who's who's in on that Jets That's job? exactly it. That is And the, Tom's like, well, well, well. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> Mike, I got no comment. no comment. No comment. Can't talk at this time. Plane's taken off. Uh, when we come back here, Judd Zolgat has a little... Ruckless speculation. As it pertains to the Vikings quarterback spot. Mackie and Judd will return shortly. Guys, I thought we were in a hurry. On 1500 ESPN. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Please keep working during the following announcement. Mackie and Judd are back on 1500 ESPN. Football. Speculation. Okay. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Gentlemen. So two days ago, uh, coming off the Clemson victory, one-sided win over Alabama in the national championship game of the college football playoff, I gave you the scenario, would you tank for Trevor Lawrence? Which yes. we all agreed, and, and in fact, I believe it was 71% of the poll that we put out on Twitter, all agreed that if it meant being awful in 2020 to get a generationally great quarterback in 2021, we're all in. I have more reckless speculation for you. Reckless speculation. Evidently on wake up, get up, get your breakfast with the the greenie to today, uh, Adam Schefter broached the topic of the fact that Cliff Kingsbury, when he was still had the Texas Tech job, was interviewed. And he said that if he were a if he were in charge, which he pretty much is now of a National Football League team, that he would use the top pick on Kyler Murray, the Oklahoma quarterback. Well, now that he's in charge and people are trying to put the pieces of the puzzle together, they're saying, wow, would Arizona use that pick on Kyler Murray? And if they did that, then try and get, rightfully so, a King's Ransom for Josh Rosen, Mm -hmm. who who they took in the first round, obviously. Which, I don't know if it would cost you a King's Ransom to get Josh Rosen. So here's the question, Phil. Recklessly speculating. Let's say you didn't like the path of becoming terrible for Lawrence in 2020. Would you be willing to bite the bullet and give up the pieces of a trade to the Cardinals to get Rosen while Cousins is here, keeping in mind that Rosen is on a rookie contract, so his contract would not come close to breaking the bank on your salary cap? Yes, 100%. And and just to flush this out, so keep in mind, Josh Rosen was passed up by nine other teams, a lot of them, because he was the 10th overall pick, I believe. I think that's right. So... So a third of the league and a lot of those teams were quarterback desperate. You know, not that they didn't like Josh Rosen, but you know, they were kind of like, eh, would rather have the dude from Wyoming, would rather have this guy over here. I mean, uh, Sam Darnold. So a third of the league was already, before he stepped foot on an NFL field, kind of like, eh, I don't know, not feeling Josh Rosen. Mm-hmm. And then he goes out and he throws more interceptions than touchdowns this year has one of the lowest completion percentages of any quarterback and it's his rookie season and he's surrounded by rotting infrastructure in Arizona and it's a bad organization that fired a coach and 
and he wasn't exactly set up to win now that we look at it. Outside of Larry Fitzgerald, it's nice to have Larry Fitzgerald and to some extent David Johnson. He had a couple weapons around. Yeah, but not much. Not the same David Johnson as we've seen in years past. Correct. Um, so all the factors considered, I, A, I don't think it would cost you like multiple first-round picks to get Josh Rosen, especially if we're talking about the Cardinals having incentive to try and just get rid of him because they want to go and get Kyler Murray, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and B, if you're telling me I can buy low on a guy and maybe even just slot him behind Kirk Cousins for a while and let him sit and chill out, and he's one of the most talented young quarterbacks in the last couple of years, the drafts, where do I sign? Yeah, now would I give up two first-round picks for him? No. But would, would it be really up? interesting? Like, Would I give up? A second round pick for Josh Rosen? Absolutely. I'd give you a first round pick. Would you give up this coming year's first round pick? Absolutely, yes. So then you can't draft an offensive lineman. So now you're now you're in future mode. Yeah, but I, I fixed that because in my world, I go to Zim. I tell him that I'm either not bringing Barr back for sure, and I'm going to cut some defensive guys. So I'm going to free up enough cap room to go get guard help. And... and the Vikings aren't going to address their guards by signing Pro Bowl guards. Yeah. They're going to address it by just upgrading. So, yes, if I'm the Vikings, I tell Zim, coach the defense really, really well because you're going to lose a couple key components, some guys that you probably like. Um, but, yeah, I the Rosen, th- that type of thing, anything that gets me a quarterback who solves my future problems intrigues me a lot because I can tell you after one year, Kirk Cousins is not going to solve your your ills. And keep in mind, right now, more so than a year ago, this league is headed in an offensive direction where if the Vikings are are banking on that their direction is right and they're wrong, they're in a lot of yeah. trouble. Now, if you did, if you did, let's say we're now we're way down the path of just blatant reckless speculation. If you did do this, I love this, and guy. the Cardinals are desperate and say, "All right, we're just going to bail on Josh Rosen." And uh, and you make this trade, it would also signify the end of the Kirk Cousins era, yeah. one way or the other, because Correct. it would either signify the end of the era and that you just found your friend, you, a guy who's better, maybe right. not right now, but who's better, right? Or it signifies the end when it when his contract is up because he's just going to be chapped and miffed that you brought in his replacement. Yep, that's right? too bad. So you have to be comfortable with that, I am. and you'd have to know that because of the uncertainty and the probably the the angst that Kirk Cousins would have, that he's not going to rise up and carry you offensively the way that you hoped, and you're not going to do anything meaningful. You're not going to go to the Super Bowl. So like, you have to be aware of those things. But I don't know. Any chance to buy low on a potential franchise quarterback, you have to take. This is the beauty, though. The one thing that the Vikings did right here, this is the uh, great thing about the three-year contract. Right? Because the term's not too long. Yeah. You see, if you had done a five- Six-year contract, okay, now you you can release Cousins eventually, but it's a pain. But this is the all-in very quickly. Is it going to work? No, it's not. I am going to go down another path. That's the the thing that we've talked about in baseball, is if you can, it's not how much you pay the guy necessarily, it's how quick can you get out. And the Vikings have the ability to say, we don't think that you are the long-term solution at quarterback, and therefore, in three years, you know what? We're done. What can we do to address a position that hasn't been correctly addressed in this mm-hmm. town for years and years? Hey, I have a question on this Josh Rosen thing. Is this what what kind of where did this come from? Are they are they out on Josh Rosen, or is it more just oh well? There's some hypothetical speculation here. 
Like, where is it on the scale? Because I, I have a question. Okay, I think it's a. I think it's got a little bit of truth to it because the insider guys are going with it, and they speculate, but they also ordinarily speculate with knowledge. If this had come from uh, just like a uh, a tweet from a fan, I'd be like, okay, it's interesting, but yeah. it's not going to happen. But when the Rappaports and Schefters get involved. There's at least some type of smoke there. Don't yeah. know how much. Well, here's what I was going to say, and this applies more to baseball because guys, come, hot prospects come up, and then they have to they have, they get humbled for their first 500 plate appearances, and then they finally figure it out. Or in Byron Buxton's case, a thousand plate appearances, and then hopefully figured out. But it happens to quarterbacks too, where someone is a first round pick and they're hot, and the you know they're a hot commodity coming out of the draft and going into the draft. And then the rookie year doesn't go so well because it's the NFL. It's no longer the Pac-12. Absolutely. And it's like your value goes down when people see you on a field, even if you're still destined to be a franchise quarterback. So there's this little dip. There's this Mike Trout got called up, and he hit 150 in his first 500 plate appearances or whatever it was. And then he became Mike Trout. But there's always this little dip where if you trust the process, so to speak, and you know what you know that, and I, and I don't know this about Josh Rosen, but if you feel like you know that Josh Rosen is destined to be a franchise quarterback, his value will never be lower than it is right now because he threw 11 touchdowns, 14 picks, and completed only 55% of his passes, averaged 160 yards per game. He had a, a yeah, 66.7 quarterback rating. I mean, like if you yes. think this dude's going to be a franchise quarterback still, you should try to trade for him right now. And keep in mind, he fell in the draft primarily because he's incredibly headstrong. Because this league, these, which is hilarious, these by the scouts way. and teams. I saw something today that there is real concern about Kyler Murray's height. He's listed at five eleven, so let's say he's five ten. Russell Wilson is listed at five eleven, which probably means he's five ten, and we're still going down that path. These people who are in control, some of them, in this league, it just drives you crazy. Yeah. They will commit the same mistake year after year after year. Rosen came out, and he's a really smart dude, and he had some comments, and I guarantee you there were a bunch of teams that said red flag him. The headstrong thing is hilarious because if you took a list of the top quarterbacks in the NFL right now, like the veteran guys, they're all headstrong. Mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Russell Wilson's headstrong. Maybe he's a little bit nicer. Philip Rivers screaming at people, right? Ben Roethlisberger. They're all headstrong. Why would you check the negative box for a headstrong quarterback coming out of college? Because I think he's also perceived, and I'm not kidding, uh, about being too smart about things that don't involve football. Okay. This This league has some of the most backwards people you will find. I mean, Drew Brees is worldly, isn't he? I know. I no, drinks, know that, he drinks wine. I don't know. I do know that Josh... <laughs> <laughs> drinks wine. Um, but I... Because I, Josh Rosen was like very... When he was at UCLA, was very vocal about like social issues and, and things yeah. like that, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he's that, really smart that, and that, it that might, might not involve football. some people the wrong way, yeah. Yeah. I'd well, take him. Well, I, yeah, I would. I'd buy a low I'd take on him. him. I'd buy low on him because what's the worst? You, you know, you, you burn a draft pick or something. But let's uh, wrap with Ricey next. People, people, I have an important announcement. Mackie and Judd are back after this brief timeout Woo! on 1500 ESPN. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd are back. Come on, there's so much to do on 1500 ESPN. 
All right, quick check on traffic here in the TCL broadcast studios and uh, 35W northbound. We got a crash in Richfield between uh, the crash I told you about earlier with the four left lanes closed. Well, the lanes have opened back up, but the crash, they're still working on things uh, in that area. It's between 60th and Diamond Lake Road, causing about a 10-minute delay there. Judd? Thank you, sir. TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd. Wrapping it up as we always do. Wrapping with Royce in Florida. Hey, how about Doge? One year, nine mil from Washington. He signed before spring training started, but not exactly the deal he was probably thinking he was going to get a year ago, Patrick. No, but uh, nine is a little better than I thought he was going to do. I guess the uh, Nats got a hot shot prospect, but they think he's a year away, so they needed a second baseman. And, uh, you know, if they get Harper back there, they've added Corbin, uh, they've added a bunch of guys, maybe Doge will get himself in a World Series finally. You know what I don't get? Doge, so Doge all last year, supposedly, with the Twins, or for much of the year, Royce, he tried to keep it quiet that that he was hurt. I would think that if he was truly impacted by being hurt, that I would try and at least get that out there as a source that, you know, I'm I'm playing, but something's wrong. I think, weren't they thinking maybe he had something wrong with his hip or something? Yes. I I don't know. Yes. You know, couldn't uh, couldn't turn like he uh, usually did. I think... uh, you know what uh, Buster told us last year that uh, heck in May that he was really having trouble with velocity. So he was one of the one of the hitters that was not able to catch up to the current ninety five and a half mile hour fastball that everybody was throwing. You know the ninety five ninety six. So interesting. Yes. Do you do you? Uh think that that we're are see, we're seeing a trend here that's not uh, going to, to be kept up or do you believe that all of these offensive coaches in in uh, pro football that are being hired here do you think this is going to last or are, are we starting to jump a shark in some ways where we're just hiring guys because you knew this guy's sister's brother i can't believe that the packers uh I can't believe the Packer fans are terribly excited about somebody that 94% of them had never heard of. Uh, <laughs> but do you, do you see Tennessee as a dynamic offensive team, the Titans? No. What the hell was there to recommend this guy? He's called plays, I believe, for one year. It was this past year. And and before that, it's an association, I think, with uh, McVay. It's all, it's literally come yeah, down yeah, to, I do you know Sean McVay? Yeah, if you ever had lunch with Sean McVay, you got a fighting chance to get be an NFL coach. It's uh, unless what is interesting, and then Tampa says, "Out of hell with it, we'll hire old Bruce." You know? <laughs> did, so. did you see Bruce? His yeah, face was nice way thought. too red for a guy who's not who who has not coached a game in a year. <laughs> I don't like this one, Pat. He he had the heart issues Good before. Could have been golf. He might be out. All right. All right. I don't like it. But Bruce has had a variety of health problems. So, uh, but you know what Bruce is an example of? You can't give it up, baby. You can't give it up. It's, uh, you know, you're stuck with it and it's, it's an addiction and you can't, you can't beat it. But Pat, I'm, I'm still going to be worried about his health because now he's, he's got to deal with Jameis. He's got to figure out how, (laughs) how, what, you know, he's got to figure out something with Jameis down there now. Yeah, I don't know. I I still love the way he throws the ball, but he's so damn careless with it. He throw he gets thrown to anybody, and then you never know when he's going to end up in jail. So uh, that's uh, that's another problem. <laughs> yeah, that's he a has, problem. Uh, you think? Might be a bit of an issue. Skills, uh, 
He doesn't, uh, he doesn't, uh, I don't know. He gets a couple of drinks in him. He's got to do goofy stuff. So I, I don't know. But how, how many, how many guys change at 25? How many of them become something else? I, you know, but he's now at a point in his life where I might give him one more shot in one more year, but he's got to basically prove he's a different guy, yep. doesn't he, this year? Yes. And I don't know. Usually those guys, you know, by my example, uh, Judd is always Corn Robinson. Yes. He was, he was the greatest liar I've ever been around in my life. Absolute, 100% sociopath, as you know, Judd. You could sit and listen to this guy and say, by God, he's got it figured out. He's never going to screw up again. I've seen a lot of these guys who are lying, but this guy's not lying. And then he's driving 130 miles an hour through St. Peter drunk, you know. So, Do you uh, do you remember the fact that, that at Winter Park and their lockers were very close, we had Darren Sharper and Corin Robinson on the same team? Yeah, I wish you hadn't brought up Darren. Darren, there, my uh, my old guest on uh, on the uh, talking purple. That was, yeah, he was. You know what? Now that you bring that up, maybe Corn's number two <laughs> on that list, uh, considering the secrets Darren was keeping. My goodness, but uh, I I don't know. Well, I it is it is amazing. You know the other thing though about hiring these obscure guys like Matt Lafleur. Yeah. Okay, you fire Matt, Mike McCarthy and you got to pay him. Yep. What's the, what are you paying this guy? 3 mil or something? No problem. You know, yeah. four. If you go get, you know, if you go get Gruden, you pay him 10 million dollars and this guy's got just as good a chance. Uh did they have Rodgers actually meet these guys or they just decide or do they kind of no. try to figure out who they think is going to like Supposedly Aaron knew LaFleur, and it, it was among the candidates that they talked to, he was the one guy that Aaron called and talked to before he got the job. Oh, man. I don't know. I mean, there's, who you knows? know what it is? It's you, you hire a guy like that, you're just throwing a dart. He might be okay, yes. but he might not. There's a there's an eighty percent chance he's going to fall on his face like Adam Gase did. You know, Adam Gase was the hot thing. Now he's getting another chance with the Jets, and of course, everybody in New York's going nuts and ripping the hell out of the Jets because he went from having the number one offense in football. Five years later, he was number thirty one this year or something at Miami. So. And but I, then again, Pat, I mean, Mike Mike McCarthy, the Packers hired him way back when, and he was. He was the coordinator in what San Francisco under Mike Same Nolan. They only won like three. Yeah, only won three games yep. with the Forty Nine. Yeah. So. and in fact, the only reason McCarthy got the job is because we kidnapped uh, Chile and held him, uh, <laughs> held him, uh, you know, hostage in the uh, in the Hilton until he agreed to sign. So otherwise, they would, Mike McCarthy wouldn't have had a chance because he was heading to Green Bay, baby. I still want to know what the story is. Why Chile a month before the AAFL, whatever the hell that league is, why? My chili dog gave up that job. I'm so disappointed by I, that. I am too. I, I hope it's not. I hope it's uh, not, not a physical thing or something. Because uh, I, I actually texted him and did not get a response. I didn't assume I would get one, but uh, uh, yeah, I don't know because I was waiting to see him named somewhere as of you know to, you know with some NFL team, but that hasn't happened. No, yet. it did not. No. So that- I don't know. Patrick, I'm very sad for you that uh, this weekend you're going to be uh, basking in the sun and, and down in uh, down in Florida, and you're going to miss 
you're not going to be able to attend uh, the barn this weekend as uh, Ru- vaunted Rutgers comes in town Rutgers to play uh, Coach Patino. Yes, yes uh, Rutgers is uh, just a, a, a fantastic addition to uh, the Big Ten in virtually every sport, and I'm sure that we'll be jamming the place. Do we get us at least a Saturday afternoon, two o'clock, eleven thirty a.m., eleven thirty tip off? I'm taking well, the I'm taking the bride. She's very that's excited. Better than, that's better than five thirty on Sunday night. I'll admit that eleven thirty a.m. But you know Friday. what, Patrick? That New York market is all going to be tuned in because the oh, New York yeah, market yeah. is what they needed in the Big Ten. They did. You know what? I told you I was there Thanksgiving week, and uh, that's every time I was in a restaurant or somewhere, they were just talking Rutgers. <laughs> I, mean, I was on the train. On, I mean, what do you think? You think the Knights are going to turn it around here pretty soon? You know, a lot of Rutgers talk when you're in uh, New York City. As you, you've been there, Judd, you know. Oh, yeah, they love Rutgers. They're really fired up about Rutgers. How the hell did the Gophers play that lousy in the second half, or was it just missed free throws? Against uh, Maryland? Maryland. Yeah. The yeah. free throws, I, mean, I think, just killed them. Yeah. They just, so they were, and then they, they got two really good players, uh, Colin and that Smith kid. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I also think yeah. Wisconsin might absolutely stink, and that's going to have to be the realization yeah, we come to. Yeah, for some reason, they were, like, raided, and then they got, because they went through, but yeah, they you know they don't really have many athletes, and half is half can't make a free throw, and uh, you know I I don't know why uh, people this this would be two straight sports people thought Wisconsin was going to be yeah. good, and they uh, are not. So M- meanwhile, we got to get Lindsay's squad back on track. They've lost three in a row. I don't know. I saw them. Uh, I saw them play the opener, and I thought they were undersized and not that quick. <laughs> And didn't shoot that well, and uh, I was very, you know, this this twelve and all was based on ten of the uh, one of the worst schedules any coach has ever put together. Marlene Stallings left her an unbelievably lousy schedule, and uh, you know, I think I think maybe we got fooled there that uh, it might mean something. All right, to, to, to be unbeaten. All right, we got to run. Talk to you tomorrow. See you. Bye. We'll be back tomorrow three. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. At the Home Depot, we have the tools for you to give the gift of a smarter home with savings on top brands like the Google Hub, a command center for your smart devices that raises the IQ of your entire home, or the Nest Learning Thermostat that helps you conserve energy and save on your bill. And if you don't know what to get, gift cards are a smart gift no matter what they get. So this year, gift smarter with savings on tools to make your holiday magic. The Home Depot, how doers get more done.